Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel, or if you're listening on the podcast, my name is Peter Barber. I am primarily a professional opera singer, music producer, and a bass vocalist. And just a couple days ago, I had the opportunity and the privilege to speak with Melinda. She is just an extraordinary artist, an extraordinary human being. The amount of love and light that she puts out there with her music and to her community is truly inspiring, and it was a joy to speak with her. We talk about her whole career, where she started, musical theater background, theater background, um, moving into the YouTube space, completely blowing up on social media, finding her niche, finding her true voice as an artist, and now all the way up to working with people like Avi Kaplan, who surely you all know, and even going on a full national tour that is coming up. She has dates throughout the fall, which is just incredible. She makes amazing music, she has a beautiful message, and we had a truly wonderful, valuable, educational, and fun conversation that I know you guys are going to enjoy. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Melinda. All right, well, hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the YouTube channel or the podcast, wherever you are watching or listening. Today we have a very special guest. This is Melinda, who I'm sure you all are all very familiar with and i'm actually going to pass it over to her so she can give a little elevator pitch as to who she is and what she's currently up to Ooh, um hi everybody i'm melinda and i make folk pop music i uh, started making music more regularly in the celtic music scene and uh these days i just released my uh debut original album that is very folk pop but you can hear the celtic strains uh every once in a while and um I created a visual album alongside that, which premiered in Cinemark theaters across the country, which is very exciting. And I'm about to go on a five and a half week uh, headline tour across the U.S. And there will be trad music and, but you know, mostly uh, sort of fusion and and exploration and what it is to hold the old and the new together. So, Amazing, yeah. brava! Very good elevator pitch. Sometimes, sometimes people end up, you know, divulging their whole life story and then. Uh... Uh, I, I feel like I've had to get good at explaining to people what's going on with me because it has changed so much over the last like 10 years. Like my career has taken yeah. so many twists and turns that I have to be like, this is what's up now. <laughs> yeah, no, and we'll, we'll get into all that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so actually, what is your like background in training? Like kind of where did you start? Did you go to school for music and then take it from there? What's your what's your whole background? Theater was like fundamentally where I grew up and what I had training in from like middle school through high school through college. I have my degree in drama um, and I started playing Irish flute when I was 13 and started playing in pubs every second and fourth Sunday of the month. There was a wonderful teacher called Mitch Fanning who ran sessions specifically for teens. Um, and so what that did was it created a community of teenagers who all wanted to hang out but also play Irish music and it it was a really wonderful way of just fostering our love for that culture um, while providing a good hang and so I did that through uh, high school and um, and then in terms of singing like that all came from musical theater and so I did uh, professional theater for about three and a half years when I like right after college right out of college uh, in Washington DC which is a wonderful place to do theater uh, it's where I grew up, and so I didn't. I didn't never thought that I would have just a career in music. 
Um, but what I discovered was that music took everything that I loved doing and made it into one career. So singing, performing, acting, filmmaking was something I discovered when I was a teenager as well. Um, community building, uh, business building, like all of those things are in that career specifically. And so I think that's why ultimately I've kind of settled uh, on that. And, and I also, I never thought I would write music, but here we are. Um, so it's, 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 that career has uh, encouraged me to expand beyond what I thought I was capable of doing. And I am always, I'm that kind of person. I'm, I'm someone who wants to get pushed and get expanded. And so that ended up being the place where I was happiest. Fantastic. So you, you were actually training in musical theater Yes. And was was like going to Broadway and doing the whole musical theater journey part of your original plan, perhaps? Hundred percent. Like Move to New York and audition everywhere and awesome. cattle call and <laughs> That was totally what I thought my life was going to be. Um and and I did some of that in DC, which was which was great. Um, but yeah, I think my younger self right now would be very confused as to why I'm not on Broadway, but would be like, how the, how the hell did all the rest of that stuff happen? You know? <laughs> um, so I think for me, I got so lucky in that I was able to work with like Broadway professionals in New York City. By the time I was in high school, I did a program called Broadway Artists Alliance, which is a phenomenal program. Um, really, really informative and I felt like the odd one out there. Um, there were a few of us, a few of the, a few people who like didn't quite fit this mold of this industry, and uh, and that made me kind of go, okay, I don't know whether this is an industry in which I'm going to be fully celebrated as a as an artist. Mm. Um, and so I found ways to like if if someone was going to cast me in professional theater, they're looking for what I have to offer. Um, which was great because it, it was kind of all or nothing, um, you know, and and I knew that going into it, but ultimately I knew that that was a very like, there was just limited opportunities for someone like me because my voice is a little bit more folky. I don't have that like, you know, super um, mm. vibe and uh, yeah, so I think I, I think I the, the glitter rubbed off my feet really early and I also have two parents who were in theater and so they really encouraged me to um, understand that doing theater is having a life outside of the rehearsal room. Like they always really encouraged me to just expand my horizons and not get like super blinders on. Um, and, and so as a result, I just didn't really fit into the Broadway world, which cause Broadway is all about having that blinders and having, having that focus. And, um, and I think I just, yeah, I never really fit into that. And I would love to do it. I would love to do a Broadway show eventually. It would be so fun. Um, but I, I miss theater dearly, but it ended up, you know, music and YouTube just ended up taking over and, and I was okay with that at the time. Yeah, um, that, that was my next question because you're obviously finding a ton of success outside musical theater and you're really carving your own path, which mm -hmm. is so cool. And you have like full autonomy over the kind of music you make, which is like the dream. Yeah. But yeah. all that, I was still curious if, if part of you still had the bug to get back in like a, a musical theater setting. 100%. I think I, I absolutely do. Um, for me, it would be a project by project basis because what, what happened was I uh, I played my dream role when I was 24 and um, I was- which, the, was which was what? The Girl in Once. And okay, great. 
the the trajectory from that is hilarious by the way so i i i grew up with with the movie and uh and loved it very much and it really inspired like my senior thesis i was always really inspired by the music from that show and that movie um and then got to do girl as the in the uh, world premiere of the dc version of the show um which was amazing and uh after that like music and youtube were starting to just like the time i was do i was spending i really could only do one show a year which when you're technically still early in your career is like not a great thing to tell other theater professionals you know mm-hmm. um and so i was kind of shooting myself on the foot in both senses of the word by uh or in both senses of, of of the two different careers i was pursuing and so it just didn't make sense for me to to do that anymore and and i also i didn't have those like that like project idea to kind of keep me going anymore i was like i kind of did what i set out to do in this phase of my career and i i feel like i can and i had also i had done a um a world premiere of uh ella enchanted where i got to create the role of of ella and that show is being done all over the country now and like i'd gotten to do things that were were on my bucket list and i was just like i i've kind of done what i what i wanted to do in, in this chapter and so I think it's okay for me to to move on and pursue something else. Uh, and I will probably come back to this at some point when there's other roles that I have honestly aged into. Um, and I feel like I'm like a couple of years away from from probably going back into something. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome that, I mean, you were finding success in the musical theater world. Yeah. And then you had the conscious decision to kind of pivot towards this new thing that was finding a lot of success. Yeah, it was a very... Um, very very relatable i'm kind of at the i'm like right on the cusp of launching into like a like the full-blown opera career yeah you're doing the opera thing which is so so exciting totally totally doing it so like yeah like have been singing professionally um for a few years kind of while finishing up the training kind of like Mm -hmm. a medical residency essentially yeah but you know late august i'm going to arizona opera which is a a really big regional company to just perform roles with them for the next year so it's like right there and the whole the last couple of years while like starting to build the youtube channel while still in training while trying to like say yes to everything mm-hmm. has been has been pretty crazy and i'm I, i've kind of made a promise to myself because i want to do i want to do both and i think i can do both yeah um but i promised myself i'm going to get to the full-blown career and kind of see what the landscape looks like and see what the time commitments look like and then yeah. kind of and then kind of reassess. I love that for you. I kind of did something similar because um, when I graduated college, I had two shows booked, um, and so I was like, okay, I'll do the theater thing for a year, and then I'll you know move to New York and pursue either theater or like YouTube. Like I want, I want more of my income to come from YouTube at the time, and I realized pretty quickly that my YouTube channel was not in a place for me to really do that, um, and. I also realized like once I got once I started doing the shows in DC and was like, oh, I'll go in for this audition. Yeah, let me go into this for this audition. And then I started really going in for a lot more auditions. And I was like, if I don't do this for my younger self who trained her entire life to pursue this career and this career specifically, I will really regret it. And this is the time to do it, you know. And so I kind of put YouTube on this like little bit of a back burner. I got a day job to kind of help support the YouTube um situation and also pursued theater at the same time so i had like three careers going and it was a very conscious choice to be like 
I'm actually going to stick with this for a little bit. Like, I, I want to see what this landscape is like. I want to see what's possible in in theater for me. Um, and initially, I, I wasn't totally set on doing that. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to, like, because YouTube, I just, I just gotten my YouTube channel, like, two and a half years prior to that. And so I was like, oh, this is, like, big new thing that, that has all these exciting things that I should do, right? And then it was like, actually, no, I want to, I want to let this grow at its own pace and not put any pressure on it, not put any creative or financial pressure on this thing while I pursue the career that I trained my whole life to do. Um, and so the, the choice to enter it and the choice to leave it was both very conscious. And I, I feel really grateful that I got to do that. Awesome. So the, so like, what were your YouTube? Okay. Hey, first of all, like what time was this like 20 mid 2010s? Like what was the time period as you were as you were finishing this up and then what was your youtube like at the time because obviously your youtube is huge now it's like what was it at at that point like numbers wise so well uh that was my first channel um so okay. my my first channel um the what started it was i was a sophomore in college and i was in the middle of like two different tech weeks because i'm an idiot and <laughs> Um, I, it was like 2am, I was procrastinating on something and I had just watched Let It Go in 25 different languages. And I was like, oh, I wonder what some of these are like in direct translation. And so I started putting the lyrics of Let It Go through Google Translate. And then I just sort of like kept translating them into other things then back into English and just sort of kept doing that until <laughs> Let It Go became Give Up. And I was like, okay, this is hysterical. Like what, what else is possible? So I just kind of kept running it through stuff and, and created this basically AI parody uh, as if it like, you know, tried to translate it back from other languages. And I made it into a video on like my lunch break and sent it to some friends. And they were like, dude, make this public right now. This is hysterical. Um, and I did, and it had a million views in like a week on YouTube. And I had 50,000 subscribers like that week. Um, wow. it was very speedy and very overwhelming. And I was like, well, got to follow up, you know, let's, let's, and, but also it was a moment where I was like, I can sing and make films. Like I can do all these things that I love, you know? And so I decided to pursue that and created the channel, uh, at the time Google translate sings. And it was, um, it was a big thing. I, I hit a million subscribers, I think four years ago on that. Um, and I think when I graduated, uh, I was, I don't know where I was, um, but, but it was enough that, that, and I, and I had, you know, developed enough of a, a Patreon that I felt like I was somewhat supported, but not supported enough to like really pay the bills at the time. And so, um, so I really had to, uh, I, I was grateful that I didn't put the pressure on that to, uh, to pay the bills. And, and that was a wonderful time to get to do that channel because it was like being on a TV show that I had creative control over because I was never playing myself. I was very rarely ever playing myself. I was parodying other people. Um, and so it gave me the opportunity to learn what it's like to have YouTube comments coming at you and, uh, and develop that thicker skin to be able to deal with all that and to learn all of these things like technically, um, things about recording, filming, like, editing uh the algorithms backend stuff like doing that with a channel that wasn't like my baby my my artistry doing that with a channel that was like oh this is so fun to do you know um was really really useful and i'm very grateful to that channel for uh how much i learned from it and the people i got to meet people like peter hollands andrew huang um 
you know, uh, Caleb Hiles, Jonathan Young, like just this big Brizzy Voices test netting, like big community of people that uh, really supported each other along the way. And, and I learned the value of community and creators holding each other up from that phase of my career, which once I started going viral on TikTok, became everything and it was it was an important thing to actually teach other creators that i met where it's like no we're here for each other like we have each other's back we, we have to you know yeah. um, and so yeah that that channel i don't really make videos on there anymore um just because i don't have the time nor the particular uh interest at this point but um yeah that that channel had its its life and was a big part of like people's nostalgia from that that era of their lives which i love i just think it's so sweet uh that people are like, oh, you know, you were my childhood. I'm like, I, I love that. I just absolutely love that and think it's beautiful. But because it's such a part of that era, I'm like, we got to move on. You know, we got to start doing something else. And so my new channel I started in 2017. Um, and I was just kind of bopping around and like making sort of cute parody original songs. Like not so much parody, but like, you know, found material songs, very YouTube of that era type of music. Mm -hmm. um, and I was starting to create singles and starting to do my own thing. I released an EP as a way of really learning how to write songs. Like that EP was me learning how to write. Um, and with two of my amazing collaborators, Johnny uh, Del Toro and Hannah Tobias. And really, really special, really fun. And then like beginning of the pandemic, like first year of the pandemic, I was like, I don't really know where I want to go musically. Like I'm just kind of wandering around like I know I can still play the Irish flute but like what else what else is there and then TikTok came around and was just such a jolt of creative energy and then the sea shanty trend happened and I was like oh I know music yeah. and that was it that was what <laughs> just suddenly made me be like oh my Irish training has been staring me in the face this entire time and there is an audience for it and there's people who don't know they love it yet but are you know gonna come to a Melinda show because they like another song or whatever and they're like actually this is a vibe you know um, yeah. I I love being able to sort of be people's gateway drug into into that world um, and and so that was yeah that's basically how that trajectory all all happened <laughs> that's amazing so YouTube to TikTok and then TikTok goes absolutely bananas with sea shanties and maybe this other kind of non-traditional or not non like uh pop culture music right yeah. it's like more like niche genre but then yeah. you find oh there's like billions of people on tiktok therefore yeah. there are millions and millions of people that either do like this kind of music or will like this music yeah i don't know they once like they hear it. it and uh it was amazing to see the sea shanties go off yeah just like completely unpredictable yeah and they was... just went absolutely crazy i mean you and and Colum and and bobby and like all these people just like absolutely blew up in yeah. a short period of time when when sea shanties kind of went off yeah yeah it created a really really special community of people people like bobby mia sano ali the piper yeah. um shanty man like uh colin like we uh, and on my last on my first tour uh last year we sort of all met in person for the first time and and played together and sang together it's so special like the people who come from that community are some of the most like big-hearted wonderful human beings to ever meet so being able to use the internet to connect with those people was like was so special i never really expected that but it was cool amazing
And you, I remember, I feel like you were the first person to kind of get all these singers and instrumentalists together yeah. in like a big clap. What was the first song you did that with? Uh, probably Hoist the Colors. I okay. forget Hoist the Colors or Drunken Sailor came first. It was, no, it was, it was, um, it was Hoist the Colors that came first. Um, and that instinct to be like, guys, let's come together and make a thing came from me having a YouTube career. Cause that's what you do on YouTube is you collaborate and you create things together. Um, whereas TikTok is like, you do it, which is great. And it creates these like, you know, kind of found collaborations essentially. Mm -hmm. But if you want to create like a product for people to, to consume and then be able to like split distributions and like actually have people build a career on this, it's like, no, we, we gotta like, so, someone has to spearhead this. And it was like, I have the training, I have the motivation, I have the team literally to be able to do this for everybody. And so it just made, it made sense that, uh, that people like me and um uh and calm and uh and column as well kind of stepped forward and and was like we're gonna start you know putting things on platforms and making things happen because uh it just it it was a, it was a way of of us wanting to make this into a career you know and yeah. and so yeah being able to to bring people together also in person on tour was just like i love bringing people together i just want to i want everyone to have a good time yeah. if i'm doing something and I'm making an experience. I want everyone to have a blast. And and so being able to do that tour and, and to have that be so special for everybody was like, that's all that's all I can ask for. You know? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great move, because it really is a whole different ballgame for just career and success to move something that's doing well on TikTok to something that's doing well on Spotify. It's very difficult, actually. People think it's so easy, but it's surprisingly hard. It is capturing lightning in a bottle in a big way. You, yeah, I mean, you have to have a gun to someone's head to get them to go from like, like, here, just click on this link. I swear you will love this song. Just click yeah. the link and watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. It's really hard. Um, and, and sometimes it happens organically, and you really can't control it. And, and sometimes you have to like, engineer it to occur and, yeah. and might do it wrong. And it might not, you know, it might not take off in a way where it did on TikTok. You're like that, that magic somewhere uh can get lost you know in, in the platform translation so yeah it, it helps though i mean if you find if you find other like big creators that are all in on it together that just kind of extends the possibilities yes or the and, and the probability that something will go off if you have a bunch of big creators all like hey we all did this thing together yes and that's, that's become that. something people like you said earlier love to see they love to see their favorite creators come together even for something as simple as an interview mm -hmm. just yeah. like listening to two people they like talk <laughs> yeah oh god yeah i love you that oh yeah oh yeah yeah the number of times that i've been just like hanging out with another creator and i'm like should we just put a mic like in between <laughs> us? like this is i'm yeah. in this conversation this is cool you know um yeah. no i it's it that is definitely a youtube mentality and and the whole like in-person collaboration thing TikTok actually like doesn't really like that they're just like why are you guys in the same room do it as a duet you know and oh. and initially on the platform the algorithm wouldn't quite uh accept it when there were two people in the same frame and if you ha if like we bulk filmed a couple videos together only one of them would do well and then they'd be like is that the same video you know it was kind of hard to oh. um it, it, unlike youtube where it was like they would really push both those videos because like this is a collaboration this is an expansion yada yada so uh it took it took TikTok to, a while to kind of catch up to the fact that this was something that that the platform had the capacity to really push and to foster which is like in-person community um and I think that's that was a little bit frustrating initially, but uh, but it's a little bit better now. It's a little bit better. Good.
good, good, good to hear. I'm like not sad. I did TikTok for like a few months, and I was like, I just I'm good. so bad at being. I'm like, I've got one foot in the opera world, which is like the oldest form of music still being performed, and then one foot in the new world, and I just I couldn't be trendy. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not in there enough. I have yet to see an opera singer like. Oops, I'm sorry. I'll turn this off. Um, I have yet to see an opera singer figure out how to like uh, make something super relevant on TikTok without it being like a parody of some kind. Yeah, uh, I think exactly. That's, that, that's also a problem with uh, Celtic music as well. Um, anything like that's old, uh, you kind of have to like have a gimmick to make people pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or that's what a lot of people think and so that becomes the expectation and uh and but i i also know that i have gotten on tiktok and just sang shanos music in irish it's like y'all can't you know most of you can't understand this and this is you know hundreds of years old and i'm gonna sing it in as traditional a way as i possibly can and it blows up and because there because pe i trusted that this music can hold its own you know yeah um, and I think what I like to encourage musicians to do on TikTok is I'm like, trust your art. Like, you don't have to comment on it. Like, you can trust the fact that it's it, it's good. And particularly if it has stood the test of time, you know, um, it probably still has the capacity to connect with people if you do it in a way where you approach it from where you're at right now, you know. Um, like, the way I sang Shanos is not the way that someone sang Shanos 100 years ago, but uh but i'm approaching it from as authentic of a place as i personally can and and i think that in addition to the fact that this is something that's so like ancient and and time tested uh is what makes people drawn to it and so yeah, yeah I, I love b telling people especially people from like older traditions i'm like trust it just trust it you know yeah and trust yourself trust yourself with it trust yourself to handle it and to like show people why this is such a beautiful a beautiful thing that you continue to do yeah that's it's certainly a goal i mean part like it's cool to be able to build a platform because I am trying to get more people listening to opera because yeah. it isn't it is an amazing art form. The, the tricky thing about opera is that like the coolest thing about it is that it's people singing unamplified over an orchestra. Yeah. So it's like the voices, the voices are freakish, but it's only something you can really understand and fully appreciate in person. Yeah. It's just like some it's like it's like yelling at full volume but in like a beautiful way. Yeah. And, and you just can't tell size of voice over recordings or mediums like that. That's actually why opera companies never hire unless you do a live audition. Mm. You get like virtual pre-screenings to get you in the room, but then you just can't tell what the voice does in like a huge space without yeah. a microphone until you're actually in the space. Oh, um, so that's like one, that's like one tricky thing about opera is like if somehow you could someone could watch a TikTok and be like, and kind of understand how big and powerful that voice is. Yeah. I think it would, I think it would catch people immediately. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I feel that from, uh, I do a lot of like vocal improv stuff and it's like, you don't know how electric it is when you are in a room and you've spent like five minutes watching two people try to figure something out and then they get it and it's like we're not going to put that whole five minutes on youtube we're, we're, we're not going to that whole five minutes on tiktok we're going to go put that moment and it's yeah. like that isn't as good always you know it's hard to like communicate how good it feels to to struggle and to like get somewhere you know huh. um like there's plenty and also i find this with um 
like some folk songs on TikTok because uh, story songs require your attention for some time. You know, you got to sit with it and you got and a lot of the music that I write, frankly, these days is music where it's like the payoff is really at the end of this song. And don't worry, I will get you there um, and you, you will enjoy the journey along the way. But, you know, with TikTok, a lot of times they want like, you know, immediate grab and and, you know, short kind of thing. And and again, you got to trust it. You got to step back and you got to trust it at the end of the day. And and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it does not. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to to translate certain uh, traditions to digital mediums. And, and, and that is also something that a lot of record labels, I think, don't understand is that TikTok and um, Instagram and like any kind of short form content, even YouTube, is its own medium and its own art form that requires a very specific set of skills that not every musician has inherently and not every musician wants to have. Like mm -hmm. not, not everyone wants to make content out of their stuff, you know? And yeah. I learned that through the pandemic because um, everyone was asking me like, how do I, you know, do all this digital stuff? And I'm like, oh, well, this is what you do. And they're like, that sounds awful. And I'm like, that's my <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. right uh, but, I, but then i realized i was like oh you may not enjoy you know doing tiny little edits and like you know yeah like the payoff for that might not be exciting to you and and the idea of just sharing a little clip of your song it feels like you're cheaping it cheapening it or something like that and i'm like fair enough you know mm -hmm. um so i think there's it's both there's a, a challenge in translating music to uh, to the medium and also just like the artists themselves being like this doesn't serve my artistry This doesn't serve my story that I want to tell and the process of doing it is just not something I have any technical Interest in and I don't get joy out of that and I'm like if you don't then like don't do it, you know Yeah, uh, and and I feel like there needs to be more room in the industry for people to be able to come up through different paths That are not social media because everyone's like you gotta have social media you got it like that we won't support your song if it doesn't go viral on TikTok, and it's like this shouldn't be the one way that people can be successful. You know, yeah. it's it. You want to hold space for a lot of uh, a lot of different people and different traditions and different backgrounds to be able to come up in different ways. Um, yeah. Hopefully, there there will be a a sort of an expansion of of all of that. I hope. Hopefully so. Oddly enough, I mean, even even in the opera world now, they are all the companies are pushing social media presence. All this stuff just, I mean, and it's like, it's can be good for business, I suppose, for the companies if maybe their singers have a bigger following and they can sell a few more tickets. Shouldn't but be like, that's not the most important part of no. certainly the opera world and, no. you know, plenty of other, plenty of other genres as well. I've definitely, I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've, I, I don't know if I've gotten a job because of my social media following, but it's definitely, it's been a factor. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely been a factor, I'm sure. Um, and I've, you know, I have been pushed for publicity because of my social media, but mm -hmm. uh, but I can imagine, like, I know people who, like, go in for auditions, they ask you your social media follower account, and if it's not high enough, they just, like, let you go. And I'm like, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. Awful, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, where, where are the priorities now for yeah. performing art, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. It's, it's pretty frustrating. But, but I do love it when uh people from things that shouldn't work on TikTok find a way for it to work um and and it suddenly becomes this little corner of TikTok where you're like it's something different and something very human you know that i yeah. wouldn't see and so when someone does make it work um i just think it's it's remarkable and just reminds the internet of its humanity i just think it's awesome yeah for sure
for sure. I want to backtrack a little bit to the vocal improv because that's definitely a world I'm not familiar with. What does a vocal improv session look like? And like, what kind of, what skills are, are useful for that medium? And like, is there any prep work or do you just go out on stage completely freelance? Like tell, educate me on this subject. For sure. So um, this kind of vocal improvisation that I do um, uh, comes from people like Bobby McFerrin and Rhiannon. And, mm. um, Love him. I did get to see him in concert a while back and it was phenomenal. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, genius. Oh my God, he's, he's, he truly is genius. And so this work stems from him and the people who learned from him mostly, and but also like sort of a mix of cultures that Bobby was drawing from and other people like him. Um, and the person I learned it from was Matt Goldstein, who uh, is now a facilitator and teacher across the country, but he founded a group uh, that I was kind of a part of like building uh, called Gaia Music Collective in New York City. And it's, it's, it has blown up on TikTok because they found a way to translate what it feels like to have a really cool improv moment and a really cool spontaneous moment in a group um, onto TikTok because they, they've, they've just done a really good job of that. And, and I just, I'm so excited for what that organization has the capacity to do. But what it's taught me as an artist is like a jam session looks like um, there's usually some kind of a call and response. There's like a tune up. Um, and then uh, you, it's kind of like live looping in a way. Um, people will find like motors is what they're called, where you will um, find something that you can kind of repeat and hang on to. And then sometimes there's a conductor who will like cut people out, bring people back in, teach people new parts to be able to go somewhere else. Um, or it can be way freer than that. Uh, it's, it's jazz. It's, it's like, it's jazz vocal improv, but with a whole lot of other cultural influences from, from, uh, like West African stuff to uh, super folky stuff to very jazz, like it's it's very wide range. But the whole point is that you are not judging what's coming out of your mouth. You could make the most ugly sound in the world and it would like still sound pretty fire. Um, and, and it's a great place. It was a place for me as an artist to stop judging myself and to get out of the, the critical brain um, and to also hone the critical brain when it does come back in and being able to know like when something is really special. Um, so that was a super useful tool for me. And I ended up incorporating some folks from the Gaia circle into my visual album. We did a version, a live version of one of the songs, um, where in the movie they were like singing together, uh, and, um, uh, two different sections of the song. I did not know what was going to happen. Um, and we filmed it basically documentary style. We had three different cameras going. We had, you know, all these mics. And uh, and so I just told my friends, I was like, here's the baseline, you know, and and it was absolutely stunning. And it's, it's the best moment of the film. It's like the heart of the film because we captured just what happened. It's, it's about five or six minutes long because we just sort of explored a little bit and it's really, really beautiful. And I think that that kind of singing is becoming, um, is having a little bit of a renaissance right now. Um, I think it's a kind of a response to the pandemic in a way. Um, mm. it, is, it has roots in, um, like there, there's a, a comparison to sort of spiritual or, or religious music because there's a repetition, there's a group mentality, but there's nothing organized about it. And so a lot of people feel like they can sort of let go of that 
side of their brain that um, that organized religion side of their brain and just be able to experience what it is to be in community and be be mm. in a with people and to access something that is definitely bigger than themselves because we don't know where these ideas are coming from you know right. and i think that is incredibly special and something that i always want to come back to and the way i integrate that into shows i'm i'm kind of exploring that right now um i'm using it a lot to generate so i'm, I'm doing an improv a day right now and like improvising a full song every day and i'm kind of going back and being like oh was that cool do i want to actually like write from this um i'm using it i use it as a way of arranging all the time um it's also how irish tunes are written uh to just like people just sit across from each other and just like play at each other until they find something they like and they're like hmm. that's an irish tune um <laughs> so, so the 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 seeds of improvisation are are so universal in in so many different cultures and and i want to try and harness that a little bit and uh and do a lot of like i've been doing a lot of like audience singing in my last shows that uh like making people sing in, in harmony with each other and create drones and create chords and kind of jacob collier does a lot of this stuff and um yeah. uh yeah it's it's just been a blast it's, <clears throat> it gets people into that mentality of like the audience is collaborating with us right now um including if they're not even singing like especially if, if we're improvising it's like none of us know you know and we're all, <laughs> we're all on this cliff's edge together <laughs> yeah yeah there's something very very exciting about that and uh yeah so that's that's something that i that i want to integrate more into my music without but while, while mm. acknowledging like how uh how much that actually integrates back into uh into irish music because that's how that music is generated so i think yeah. that's cool awesome okay that was like a little little master class on <laughs> on vocal yeah, improv I was like, how do I explain this? I haven't had to explain this very often, but uh, <laughs> normally Matt's been with me to to explain it a lot better than I can. So, uh, <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. um, gosh, the the kind of getting out of your own head and just like trusting your harshing your voice is something that every opera singer on planet Earth yeah. needs to get needs to get way better at because it is an art form of like perfection, mm. you know, like the vocal technique and just like just I mean to be able to do it to be able to sing with yeah. an orchestra without a mic you have to be like it's like complete vocal efficiency and perfect breath support all the time and like so it's so it's in our form where you know we've had you know going up to university and whatever training and like you know these all these coaches we work with who have worked with you know some of the greatest opera singers there is this absolute gold standard mm. that we're being held to so one of the hardest things for opera singers is to once you get out on stage just fully trust the technique and yeah. be in character and you will always sing better if you do that and you're not th like think about the technique in the practice room but like once you get to the performance just like let go it's something that younger singers especially really struggle with i definitely have 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 gotten much 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 better at it over the last 10 years but definitely am not am not perfect at it by any means so Maybe I'll pitch some uh, vocal improv classes to uh, some of these programs I'm involved in. It might be really helpful for us. Totally, I think that's really, I think that's really true. I think, I think it's useful for literally anyone in any field. I think it's useful for anyone, um, but Period. it's particularly useful yeah. for other artists because, yeah, I can imagine it's also like for opera. It's a question of like safety. Um, is sure. and is yeah. the the gold standard is that developed by people who came before you or like is there pressure to sing like the person who originated the role or something like that sometimes there is if you do really popular music like if you sing a really popular mozart aria mm -hmm. and like for me like every great bass 
an opera before me has sung that aria and there are certain inflections or ways to use the text or cadenzas to add in that people have done before yeah. you will always be compared to those people mm-hmm. a good coach or a good teacher will be able to extract what your voice does best and differently than those people and then make the best version for you as opposed to saying well you're not singing it as well as Samuel Ramey or Cesare Sieppi or one of these great basses but absolutely especially especially audiences too you know audiences older audiences who who heard a lot of those singers say in the 80s or 90s and then you know you get up on stage and sing an aria differently than what they're used to and what they've loved for the last 40 years that's a tough that's a tough it's tough to get them on your side if you want to do something differently yeah i experienced that in irish music a lot um sure you know, because there's people who who are really like guardians of the tradition, and and I have overstepped at times. Like I've and and the the ways in which I've overstepped have been the moments where I forget that because like I know that you shouldn't look to me for super trad music, um, but the moments where I feel like I I let people down is when I don't remind people enough of that, um, where I where I don't acknowledge the fact that like if I'm lilting a tune, which um, that sounds like uh, like that kind of stuff. And when I do it, I'm not going to sound like that. Like I'm the way that I lilt is it integrates a lot of like jazz and stuff like that. And I'm like, I've I've had to be like, don't look at me to know what lilting sounds like. Like that's not even even Shanos, like where where people from Ireland, you know, will say like, no, she's good at it. I'm like, yeah, but I don't sing it like them, you know, and and so sometimes like if i if i overstep a little bit or if i say something that is a little bit you know uh more like americanized or something like that it can make people mad and i i fully respect that um because you know people do want to guard a tradition that is that is hundreds of years old and it's an oral tradition like like people see me as being a part of the oral tradition because i have a platform um you know the oral tradition is getting spread and and passed down in very different ways now and i have a responsibility for that um and i have a responsibility to evolve the tradition because traditions if they don't evolve they die and so i want to be very clear about like if you're if you're interested in stuff that is like super trad these are the people to look at if you're interested in trad influenced stuff and and stuff that kind of like toes the line and explores what trad has the capacity to do um, then these are the people to look at, including me, you know, um, and being very clear about that and very upfront about that in my storytelling has been, I've realized how important that is. Um, yeah. and like my, my peers in Ireland have a lot of like respect for that and they do a lot of the same thing. And I, I get really excited by that. That's great. And I mean, of course, as you know, there's always going to be people who are going to fully support pushing the boundary a little bit and like kind of evolving the genre. And they're always going to be the people that say like, you have to do it. It's not the tradition. It's not I'm, tradition. I'm playing a music, uh, an Irish music festival, my first Irish festival um, on tour, like in the middle of tour. And it's really exciting, but I have no idea what I'm about to be met with because <laughs> the rest of the bands on that roster, I'm like, no one else is using tracks. That's just me. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, definitely no one else is going to be like leaping across the stage in the way that I am, you know, and, yeah. and giving a pop show, but there's Irish flute and fiddle, you know um like and i've seen you know shows like that before but they're a lot more trad and i'm just like oh man we're we're bringing something really different that 
um you know and we'll cater that set to be like a little bit more trad but it'll be really interesting to see how the audience there reacts and, and i'm sure there will be people there who will who will walk away from the set being like that was not what i thought it was going to be and that sh that doesn't belong here um but then there will be people who will be really excited about it and so i just have to like just have to accept that just stick to your guns right yeah exactly exactly yeah opera is probably a lot of the same thing where it's like i'm going to sing this this way like part of the audience is not going to like it and some people will yeah be excited you know yeah so there's there's payoff if you if you take a risk of doing something new and you do it right you know it's like ah it's so exciting absolutely and you and you and to give your best performance you have to do with what is like in your heart yeah and in your core like if you are trying to for, for uh, in my case trying to sing an aria just the same way or trying to especially like a cadenza trying to do like a cadenza the same way someone else did it if you feel like that's how you really want to sing it, great. But if you're doing that just so that the audience is going to be happy, you're never going to sing it as well because Yeah. you're like, I'm doing this for, you can do it for both you and the audience, but like you have to want it and feel it. Like Yeah. those notes, those notes have to come from somewhere. It can't just be like, okay, this person did it this way. So I'm going to copy them. Yeah. It won't be the same. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Who are some of your biggest musical influences, vocally, instrumentally, artistically? Like growing up, I'm sure you have a number from a number of different genres. So maybe you can just pick pick a pick a few here that have really kind of transformed your artistry. Hundred percent. Um, Eva Cassidy was is like the first and foremost for me. She was um a folk singer slash gospel slash jazz singer. And what I always loved about her was that genre uh was, you know, she could do anything. Um her production, like she never she probably the most people she probably played for was like two hundred people. Um and then she passed away sadly of cancer when she was like thirty three, I think. And after she died was when her cover of somewhere of the rainbow like blew up and the rest of her music became really popular and people you know now see her as this like this vocalist that just no one came close to her um and and i i agree with that i think her vocals are some of the most extraordinary vocals in the world and she she was when she sang jazz she sang like a trumpet And she sang like an instrument, which is something that in Irish music, singing like an instrument is is something that people think about all the time. And I heard that in her, but in, in jazz and Ella Fitzgerald kind of did the same thing. And and Eva, because she had this sort of cross genre voice that could sing folk, that could sing jazz and sing gospel. I just, I admired that so deeply. And she worked with people like Chuck Brown and like really wonderful people from DC. She's from my hometown, uh, just outside of my hometown. Um, so Eva Cassidy, I had like a, uh, iPod shuffle of entirely like deep cuts of Eva Cassidy, um, obsessed. Eva and then Karen Casey, um, is an Irish singer, really iconic Irish singer and songwriter. Um, she was the person that I grew up like kind of wanting to sound like and, and how I learned, uh, Irish ornamentation, um, was by listening to her. Um, so Karen Casey is, was sort of my Irish singer influence. I loved how, um, She had, you know, the Irish like lightness, the way she sang, but she had this like rah in her voice that some Irish singers like like Celtic women doesn't have a lot of rah. Um, Celtic women is fire. I love Celtic Mm. women, <laughs> yeah. but there's there is a a grit to Karen Casey's voice that I I had too, and so I wanted to like imitate that and explore that. Um, uh, Ava McMahon, who is now a friend of mine, she was in Celtic Women, and and her voice is just absolutely extraordinary. She's a more recent influence. Um, Hosier, 
I think is is truly one of the most extraordinary writers and mm -hmm. again integrates folk gospel funk jazz everything into what he does rock like I just think he's he's really brilliant and then Brandy Carlisle is is also a new influence in that um I love her music her music is like sort of you know country rock folk um but the shows that she puts on are the most community oriented let's bring a whole bunch of people together in celebration essentially like when she goes on tour there's so many people on stage with her and so many musicians that just like basically travel with her um that are their own artists and she celebrates them on stage and i just i i want to have the amount of passion that she has at her age and the amount of of community orientation that she has at her age um and generosity of spirit that she has i just think that the way that she has organized her her music making around her and the experience that she gives to her audiences it's just it's really unparalleled and so brilliant so awesome yeah. it sounds like you're doing that like you're you're actively <laughs> bringing in artists yeah to to share their artistry um have you heard have you heard of a singer named veronica swift perchance i've heard of the name yeah definitely definitely check her out so she a she's a good friend of mine we actually were in a jazz singing group all the way back in high school together uh, but she's like one of the leading like amazing jazz singers of this era cool. uh, but she's also super in like her whole thing is trans genre mm -hmm. like that's that's like all she's been working on the last few years like she performed in the hollywood bowl as like a rock singer nice. but she is on like on the parallel as a as a jazz singer and the scatting and the musicianship like every time she opens her mouth i'm just like this is absolute like wizardry of of the voice and musicianship so Check her out. I, I might try to connect you too because I think you could. Yeah. I mean, she, she's always on tour, like all around. She do you know? I don't know if you know Chris Body. He's a really, he's like probably the world's most famous trumpet player. She like goes on world tour with him and stuff like that. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, right. you would. I guarantee you would. You would love everything that comes out of her mouth. So I'm gonna have to. Yeah, figure that I, out. I am so ready to check her out. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, instrumental background what what instruments do you play and do you uh do you record all your own all your own instruments for your songs and what's the deal there no i'm not that good um <laughs> I, I grew up loving the sound of the irish flute very specifically but my mom wanted me to learn silver flute first so i played silver um when i was like eight to 13 and then finally got my first like dinky plastic irish flute when i was 13 started taking lessons and playing in pubs and like that was it um so I played that really consistently until college and then I didn't really have an outlet um, to be able to continue and so I lost a lot of the uh, skill set and so only in the last like two or three years have I been trying to pick that back up and and really trying to dedicate myself to being able to play like whistle and flute more effectively. Um, I learned guitar mostly in college to be able to uh, play in a show um, and that's what I write on. I write on uh, guitar. I just got a vocal looper and I've been writing on that as well, which has been so fun. Um, and yeah, so I write on guitar. I write on my baritone ukulele every once in a while. I have a bazooka here too that sometimes I'll layer in. Um, sometimes I record my own stuff. Mostly I don't because I'm like, if there's people who can do this better, I'm going to hire them. Uh, <laughs> right. And sometimes it's like, no, this is supposed to be kind of raw and like, mm. Does, it shouldn't sound that good and so i'm going to i'm i'm gonna play it you know um like my single i'm not there yet i produced that whole thing and played everything on that um and uh yeah so there's there's a little bit of that every once in a while but if, there, if there's flute that's definitely me um 
And yeah, piano I had to learn. I took piano lessons when I was younger and had to relearn for once. And don't ask me to play anything else other than uh, chords or the score from once because Relatable, that, relatable. that's all I know. Um, I can't play like pieces on <laughs> piano. My hands don't do that anymore, but I can like arpeggiate and like accompany myself with chords if I need to. yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, okay, how did you get involved with Avi Kaplan? And what has that experience been like for you? Oh, he's such a gem. Um, we collaborated last year. He he found me on social media um, and and I messaged him and was like, hey, you're really cool. And uh, and so I went up to Nashville. We went I went to his house and we recorded a couple of uh, collabs and and just talked about life mostly. Um, and and he's he's a really, really lovely human being. And I think I've always really admired, and I, I told him um, at uh, at his show, I was like, I watched you when I was younger make a choice to leave something that was really successful, um, which is Pentatonix, and do what was healthiest for you. Um, and I have done that time and time again in my career, and you were one of the examples um, of that when I was younger, and so thank you for that. And so. You know that I I have a lot of respect for him in that he has done and you know creating things like Acapella Academy like he has exactly what um, what brings him joy and the kind of impact that he wants to have on the world and has catered the people around him and catered the structures around him to be able to to do that and uh, I just have a ton of respect for that um, so yeah massive respect he's a great guy and Awesome. and yeah, excited to see what else he comes up with. Yeah, no, I would ex I would expect nothing less just from everything I've seen. Oh yeah, yeah, really, He seems really, he seems truly wonderful. yeah, yeah, really good-hearted guy. Awesome. Okay, so uh, first of all, before we go on, how much how much time do you have? Uh, I don't want to. You're good. You're free. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, wonderful. I <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Um, so. I would ask like a day in the life question, but you do so many things. I wonder if like a week in the life might be a more interesting uh, breakdown. Hmm. Uh. And I know it changes week to week and all that, but like, you know, if you had to, if you had to create like a, a, a template for uh, your week. I'll give you a week in, in the life of me right now, which is, Yeah, great. which because <laughs> it depends on what's going on. Um, but what's happening right now is I have just released an album and we are prepping for tour. Um, and that tour is going to be long, it's going to be intense. And so my week uh, generally looks like I wake up, I, I always have a slow morning just so that I can kind of get my brain moving. And I try to move or work out pretty much every day. I have a personal trainer and we work together. We work together once a week, but I do his workouts um, uh, three times a week. And so I'm really working on supporting like my joints and whatnot to be able to like jump around and move and dance on, uh, on tour and not get hurt because I am prone to that. And then on days where I'm not doing that, I'm either downstairs like on the treadmill singing because uh, that is a way of like mimicking what adrenaline does to me and being able to like hold my voice and like hold hold myself because something that I discovered when I did uh, my last show at the Birchmere in Alexandria it was my first time I'd done a show since since tour um, like a year prior and the audience was much louder and much more excited than on the, the last tour that, that we had done just because there were a lot more people um, and and I 
my friend was like, I got to watch your body process the first 20 seconds of the show. Like, <laughs> songs, and I was like, I don't want to have fun anymore. Like, I want to, like, hold myself, like, steady and be able to, like, continue to perform and do my job and not, you know, be overwhelmed. And so uh, training on a treadmill is a way to, to prep for that. Um, or I'm in a dance studio uh, locally and and I'm literally like moving to my own music and trying to sing through it and finding like what feels good in my body to be able to to perform so it's a lot of like training for tour um, and then later in the day is either I am improvising or shedding singing if I can I'm not very good at, at practicing these days but I'm trying to I need to be uh, trying to develop that skill and that consistency um and i'll sometimes shed flute sometimes i'll go to an irish session locally um to like pick up some tunes and just get humbled generally <laughs> um <laughs> sing a little bit uh in person for people or i'll go to a Gaia session if it's happening um and then yeah there's the admin stuff as well and i think the admin stuff is the stuff that's the hardest and it's like mm team being amazing and being like, hey, we need you to create these, uh, like, these videos specifically for these cities on tour and like, here's a list of the cities, can you just do that? And like, uh, you know, working with contracts and, and all of that and uh, even just like developing the show um, and making sure that everybody feels supported in that and um, a, a big part of, of doing what I'm doing is is having a team and being able to delegate uh, and being able to communicate with people what's needed, what needs to happen, when it has to happen. Um, and but also be in an industry where a lot of things happen last minute and a lot of things change and how to navigate that interpersonally with people and and treat everyone, including yourself with kindness as that happens. And mm -hmm. um, yes, as yeah, I'm, I'm imperfect at that, as is everybody. But, you know, you always have to take accountability for what happens. And I think admin is where all of that goes down. It's where all of the like, OK, like so the strategy kind of occurs. And so I would say. Oh, and there's also filming. So like I would I film like once or twice a week um, in bulk and uh, filming days are always a little tough. But once I get them going, it's fun. Um, I'm mm. trying I'm trying to find ways to integrate filming more into the rest of my life. So I don't have to have like designated time to do it. But that's hard to do. Um, and yeah, I'll film and and edit sometimes in the evenings. But yeah, I, I have like content sessions where I, I get a bunch of things done because if I, I, there was a time where I was filming every day and I was like, that's not the, you know, that's bad. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to have space to be able to do other things. So mm -hmm. I try to get it all done in a day if I can. Awesome. Piggybacking off that into needing space. Do you have anything you do to just like turn the brain off guilty pleasures like uh, reality TV or anything like that? Hobbies outside of music. Yeah. Um, I mean, scrolling is sometimes good. Um, <laughs> time uh it's it's good for a short period of time um so i'll do that but i also have a couple of youtube channels like uh i like to watch cooking shows on youtube i love you like go. joshua weissman binging with, with, with babish there's a woman named yona yinson who is this like homestead uh photographer painter singer everything in the middle of nowhere in sweden and <laughs> i I love her content. So whenever she releases something, Ava Zubek, who's like a travel YouTuber, um, I find her videos to be absolutely fascinating. Kurt Skazat, um, the oh, vlog yeah. I want to like stimulate my brain. Mm -hmm. Basically, like 
moments where I feel like I've maxed out in some way and I need to take a break, I just ask my brain, like, what do you need? Like, do you want to take a walk? Do you want to stretch out? Do you want to lie in, take a little sound bath with your headphones? Like, what do you want to do? Um, and, uh, and I also find that having a social life, uh, like being able to hang out with people is, I realized that I wasn't an introvert during the pandemic. Um, and that was like a, a revelation for me. I was like, wow, I need community and humans <laughs> really, like <laughs> really bad. Um, and so I really prioritize that. And so I, I have a social event at least five nights a week, if not, if not more or five days a week, because uh, seeing people and talking to people is like really essential for my mental health. I find that when I don't do that, I'm sad. Every once in a while, I have to just like, like when I was editing my visual album, I had been around human beings for one reason or another for like four months. So like it was a very intense four months of just needing to be with people. And when I edited that film, I was in my apartment for like 10 days. I talked to people on the phone, but I didn't see anyone else and didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything else other than edit this film. And I literally like heard my thoughts again. It was so beautiful. And so <laughs> I think, you know, there there are moments where you need to turn your brain off, but there are moments where even like through doing certain creative things, like um, my way of like giving myself a break is to improvise with my looper. You know, like sometimes your artistry can be a way of giving your brain a break. It's just your brain just needs something different. You know, yeah. it's not like it's not like mindlessness is the only way to like heal from burnout. You know, or something like that. It can Definitely. be. But... Definitely. I totally agree about the introvert versus extrovert thing. I was say, I mean, I've al always loved and appreciated my alone time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did not realize how often I needed to be with people because like in high school, you're with people all the time, college you're with people all the time, if you're in a program, you're with people all the time. Mm -hmm. It's when something like the pandemic happens where you're not naturally going to be with people and you're like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> didn't realize I needed that for me it was actually I had I had my brother around and I had a couple of friends around during the pandemic. We just kind of stayed in our little bubble. Yeah. But I actually faced that. I was in Philly about a year and a half ago where we were we were doing an opera and like halfway through the opera, like everyone got COVID. Uh, yeah. And I was living in a little studio in an apartment complex in Center City. And I remember there I would just like didn't leave the studio or I didn't leave the apartment complex for like three days and I was like losing it. Yeah. I was like, this is this is not okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I did two weeks here quarantining in my studio apartment to see my parents during the pandemic uh, to be able to go back with them. And those two weeks, I remember literally my parents were driving up to New York to come get me and I was pacing like a cheetah. Like it was isolation is not <laughs> is real bad. Oh, it's um, not. That's not it, good. It's so bad. But um, yeah, so I, I definitely learned that. And I learned that like regular socializing for me is is a good thing like i used to see it as something that could drain my energy and now i'm like dude that literally it gives you energy at times mm -hmm. that's situation but um but it's it allows you to recharge effectively you know um so yeah that's I, I'm, I'm glad you you were able to it must be interesting being in a like you've always been with some kind of institution like did you go from high school to college to opera programs yeah, like like you're consistently with an institution of some kind yeah i've always been always mm -hmm. been with something. So yeah, undergrad started at U Miami in Florida for a couple of years, finished at James Madison in Virginia, then did mm -hmm. my master's at uh, University of Southern California, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and doing these summer programs like the one I'm at now, and then Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia, which is like the the kind of residency 
mm-hmm. version of of the opera world and then headed to Arizona next year which it's still part of an institution yeah it's a little different it's freer there's not going to be like all this training and stuff but it is still right with an institution so yeah. I will have yeah so I'll have colleagues baked in yeah um, yeah, yeah. That's it's a different some... different thing yeah it's super different because for me I have to create my institution I have to create the community of people around me and I have to be a part of other institutions in order to feel like I am fulfilling that like social need um and we I feel like in New York we call them villages and and I absolutely like people talk about the Melinda village it, it's it's big you know and it's it's <laughs> super big and some people are really deep in it and some people are kind of peripheral and you are so welcome wherever you are um yeah Melinda, Melinda village has a lot of overlap with Gaia village Gaia village is huge um, and there's sort of villages within villages there. Um, uh, I've gotten to know uh, Sammy Ray and the Friends super well. I feel like I'm a, a part of their village. Um, other artists that kind of come through my, like the YouTube village, the, the TikTok village. It is it is so important to uh, like, you know, Mia and Ali and and Bobby and I, like we we kind of have our own our, our own village too. And so it's, it's a way of, um, it's a way of like finding or organization a little bit in your in your life and in your artistic life um and being able to lean on those people and being able to like pass work between everybody you know um and and lift everybody up like it's very rising tides you know raises all ships kind of thing but there is no one who is organizing those institutions specifically and yeah. i think uh, that's something that I had to get used to after I graduated college was it was like, oh, this is entirely up to me. That's fun. You know, and you just have mm-hmm. to have a lot of self-motivation. Um, yeah. And I know some people who really like the structure of, of various institutions and will constantly pursue that. And I have a ton of respect for that. Um, but yeah, that ended up just not being the way that my career was going to organize itself. And I had to kind of accept that, you know, yeah. after. Do you see yourself living anywhere else or do you see, you said you're in New York right now? Yeah, yeah. You see yourself being in New York for uh, the long haul. Yeah, I see myself being in New York for the long haul, to be honest. Um, there's just too much here uh, and too much, too many things that can surprise you and too many things that can make you grow and expand. Like I, I, I recognized when I was in D.C. before I moved to New York in 2019, I was like, if I stay here, you know, where I grew up in particular, but also in this city, I don't think I'm going to grow into the person that I know I have the capacity to be. And and in New York, you don't even like New York challenges the notion of what you have the capacity to be, you know, like it pushes you in so many ways and it gives you so many opportunities to really question that. And um, and it is very conveniently located between all the places I like to go. Um, <sighs> and so, like, I have relatively easy access to Ireland and easy access to D.C. and L.A. and um, and the people here are just are so dedicated to what they do and um and really kind-hearted and uh yeah i i really see myself being here for a really really long time and i'm loving being a part of new york neighborhoods too like particularly in brooklyn brooklyn once you once you get away from williamsburg um mm. <laughs> you really are a part of a neighborhood and uh and it gets it gets pretty intimate and I just, I love that. And I, I want to be a part of that. So I think Brooklyn is, is going to be, going to be my long haul place. I do want to have more of a relationship to Ireland, um, particularly the West coast, which is where all the musicians hang out. Um, 
so I do want to develop my relationship to that place, maybe have a place there that is like partly an Airbnb, partly a community center or something like that. Um, you know, working in collaboration with people who actually live there, you know, because um, if I was just to come in and like run an Airbnb, that's like contributing to a lot of the problem that Ireland currently has. But <laughs> it's like, I don't want to contribute to that problem. I want to like, you know, encourage community development there, you know, locally if yeah. I can. So that's is like it, a, a long term dream. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that something you're actively looking at or something you see down the road? I mean, I'm I'm actively looking at it for like ten years from now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, it's it's in the back of my head, but but it's not gonna happen anytime soon. I gotta like I gotta make sure I can live <laughs> first. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's super expensive and yeah, New York New York is not cheap. Near it isn't, yep. <laughs> but I think I think you you recognize what the trade off is by living here, and the trade off is is the people and uh, the opportunities you have to learn from those people. So. It's, awesome. it's it works for me i like it awesome great all right um we're gonna move into the final segment of of our chat which is going to be questions from some patrons let's do it that are big fans of yours Ooh. all right first um this is from mortius i don't know if you know who mortius is but he's he's a fellow in the kind of reaction analysis sphere and he's a he's a big fan of your work oh cool so here we go Melinda has had an incredible self-made journey through many different genres and musical adventures to earn where she is today. What does she wish she had known earlier in that journey? And what would she share with any listeners who aspire to pursue their own online musical journey? Oh my God, there's so many things I wish I'd known. <laughs> Mordius, this is a big question, man. Good question, Mordius. Bravo. Good question. Uh, hello. Um, what do I wish I'd known? Um, I wish I had, well, I mean, here's the thing, part of not knowing and part of being naive gets you into some really cool situations that you learn a lot. And so there's a part of me that wants to say, actually, the fact that I didn't know things like gave me really valuable lessons, but also gave me really interesting products, you know? Yeah. Um, I wish I, this is so basic, but I wish I had uh, stayed in um, either guitar lessons or piano lessons uh, through. <sighs> um, I wish I could support myself better as a as a musician in that way. Um, I think it, as a singer in particular, I think it is incredibly useful. Uh, so that's just like a basic. Um, Maybe we could modify it slightly towards what are a few really big things you learned that have been extremely valuable. Because um, I'm with you. It's like it's yeah. best to go through life. You don't want to regret. You know, yeah. you want to be happy with how you've gotten here, right? So, yeah. Some like big things you've learned, maybe. Yeah, fundamentally, I'm pretty happy with how I got where I am. Um, but in terms of things that I learned, I would say um, that chasing something that you want um, is going to lead you to a different place, probably. And that is okay and good. Um, and to be very open to whatever that is um also it's it's so cheesy but no one can do you the way that you can and um and being authentic and being yourself is is everything it really is and and constantly being open to the fact that you're gonna change in front of people if you're pursuing an online thing you're gonna be changing and growing and um and you need to 
you need to acknowledge that and give yourself a lot of grace. So it, uh, being able to be yourself and be authentic on the internet requires a level of vulnerability that uh, you have to be able to foster in yourself. Um, and you can choose like what that vulnerability looks like, like with your audience. And I've definitely like evolved that boundary um, as I've grown up, but uh, I've also had to be very willing to to change in front of people. And so fostering that ability in yourself is really important. The other one, this is probably the biggest one. This is the one that I tell people all the time, actually. Um, the internet is get what you give completely. The internet is get what you give. And I, I learned this um, by watching, I, uh, I did a music video with Thomas Sanders. And when I watched it get released, Thomas is like the most just loving, self-aware, beautiful human being. And his audience is so creative and queer and kind and wonderful and accepting. And I got to witness that audience when I released this music video and they really loved it. And I got to watch them get creative with my art. And, and it was so wonderful. And I was like, this makes so much sense for this creator, you know? And then like a couple weeks later, another creator who shall not be named, um, tagged me in a video because he like used an arrangement of one of my or he used one of my songs um and this creator is uh marred by extreme scandal and uh kind of you know not being the best human being and their audience was so mean to them like mm. straight up mean and mean to each other and i was just like what and that to me was just so indicative of you set the standard for your audience. You set the standard for how people are going to treat each other and how people are going to treat you. And um, I, people always like when they when they come to a Melinda show, and particularly like the the premiere of my movie, people were like, the room was so kind and so like interested in what everyone had to say and just so curious and open hearted. And I'm like, yeah, because I tell people to do that, like openly mm -hmm. and. If someone isn't that, I block them, you know, like I, I'm very, you don't have to be accepting of everything that comes into your space uh, when it comes to yeah. the internet. You can actively create standards and rules for how people behave in your community, because especially once you get into in person, you want to create a good experience for people and you will not be for everyone. Um, and so whatever you give out, you're going to get back. And if people are giving you stuff that you don't want and that you're, you know, you're not giving out, it's okay to to say, you know what, I really don't want this in my space. Um, so yeah, the internet is get what you give. You set your standards for how you get treated, and uh, and if you feel like, and I, I I had a moment where I felt like I wasn't getting treated the way I wanted to be. I was getting like hypersexualized um, mm. by like a lot of people in like the sort of folk world who mm. sort of this like fantasy Lord of the Rings siren character, sure. and I very vocally was like, you don't fucking do that you don't do that to me. Um, and, and I actually like catered my art a little bit away from that. Cause I was just like, Nope, we're, we're not doing this. And if I see people doing that, I, I block them. I just don't care at this point. Um, yeah. like you can enjoy my work. Absolutely. But if, if I'm getting a marriage proposal or I'm getting hypersexualized, I will block you, you know, like it's no, um, yeah, totally fair. And, and you can, you can do that in a way that is, is cute and good and fun, but, but you know, a yeah. lot of times, I was getting some like very creepy stuff and and yeah. a lot of people in my position like in the same field were getting were getting that too and so uh I knew like as a creator I was like if I don't nip this in the bud right now I'm going to run into problems down the line mm -hmm. um and and I'm so I will 
die on that hill of like you set the standard for for how you get treated and and your art sets the standard for how you get treated too awesome yeah great advice mortius great question yeah <laughs> all right this is from jan kites down in australia hey <laughs> the collab with violet orlandi for icy fire improved that song in my opinion and nice. your voices complemented each other perfectly uh -huh. how do you how do you decide who to collaborate with what is your hell yes and what is your hard no to requests <laughs> oh, we just no. heard we just heard a little bit about the hard no for sure uh, <laughs> yeah well how do i decide who i want to collaborate with are they good at what they do um <laughs> uh, is kind of the main one um have they and i think there there is a little bit particularly with where i'm at i'm like have you proven yourself in some way it doesn't have to be through success it can literally just be in like what you've put out have yeah. you proven yourself to be dedicated to wanting this to be your passion because if it's not then like we're not going to have good conversations like first and foremost yeah. uh, so like are you really passionate about what you do are you are you taking your own initiative to to create that world for yourself and is that world going to be somewhere that i would like to step into as well because when we collaborate it's not just like we're bringing our audiences together it's like literally me as a person having to go into your world and you having to come into mine so like do we have have you established that for yourself and do i like that um so that's that's kind of that's just sort of fundamental um in terms of requests uh i don't do viking stuff anymore because the world around that uh i did not enjoy when mm. I, I did a uh, i've done some viking things and i really did not feel comfortable or safe in that environment i'm going i'm probably going to get nipped in the bud for saying this out loud but i just did not feel safe and so that's a big hard no for me when people request stuff from you know about like let's do valhalla calling i'm like no no i like i'm okay. not this there's there's a lot of like overlap between like I've, I've just seen it i saw i saw the most misogynistic conservative scary stuff on mm. in the comment section of of, of that Yikes. video nope never doing that again um at this point if i don't like the song i'm not gonna do it um uh, i think that's just <laughs> really a generic thing and and with tiktok before if enough people requested something and i didn't like it i would do it but now i'm just like no I um i also I'm at the point where I'm I'm putting forward more of my original music, and so I am taking. I, I want to figure out how to take suggestions better from people in that context because that's relatively new for me. And um, but it, yeah, in terms of cover requests, yeah, I think if someone asked me to do Drunken Sailor now, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I did because that track slaps, and I love singing it. Yeah. But for example, like this tour will be the last time I sing that song okay. in a show. You know, because um, I'm like, it does bring about a certain like people make assumptions about you as a musician as soon as they have as soon as they see that kind of cover and sure. and then they dig deeper and they're like, oh wait, like that it's she doesn't just do the popular stuff, you know. Um, and I think that's really important, uh, but it can kind of create it can create an image of me that I, I I don't really agree with anymore. And so like hoist the colors, I'm never doing that in a show ever. <laughs> like yeah. I it again, it slaps so hard. It is such a good track, but um i think there's just like certain certain things that i have done in the past where i was all for them at the time and now it's like i'm gonna be if someone like yelled at you know at a show sing hoist the colors i'd be like no or like <laughs> yeah. the thing is when people are like translate that i'm like hell no you know 
Like it's, I have to have boundaries around how I evolve as an artist. And, and if people are like, I want to drag you back to where you were, I'm like, what good is that going to do either of us? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to be conducive to anything. So, and I'm being very like honest about this uh, right now, but I think it's, it's really important to, again, set that standard for how I get treated, you know, which is like, if yeah, you absolutely like the new stuff that I'm doing, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, but continue to listen to the, listen to the old stuff. It's not going away. Yeah. And I'm really, really proud of it. You know, like yeah. it's very good. And I, I, I did it because I thought it was good. And I released it at the time because I thought it was good and it did align with who I was. And now I'm doing something else and that's okay. You know, um, absolutely. all of those things can coexist. And so I think the internet has a hard time, uh, letting people evolve and so i'm just i've been very vocal about the hard no's that that and and the hard yeses that come up with the process of evolution yeah. um and the fact that my my hard no's now are very different from my hard no's before um and and i think that's and i think that's okay you know totally yeah. absolutely great what a great answer nailing yeah. these <laughs> Hey. Uh, okay, this is from. Uh, people don't think that I'm not grateful for that. I absolutely love that track. <laughs> All right, this is from Miss Chuck Terry. Uh, what kinds of music were you exposed to growing up, and some of your favorite? We've kind of talked about that a lot. So the second part of this question is some of your favorite bands and artists in high school, specifically. Uh, <laughs> if you could harken yeah. back to those times. There was a band called Groove Lily that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it was a husband and wife duo. And then it was a electric violin, keys and drums. And I loved their music so much. Valerie Vigoda was the um, uh, violinist. I still really love her work. And they created a, a show called Striking 12 that is so brilliant. Um, and they sort of, they always towed the line between like musical theater and um, pop, I guess. And like, I don't really know what their genre was. I guess it was pop, but I really enjoyed it and, and enjoyed the, uh, the creativity of that instrumentation and how just sort of different it was. And it kind of, you couldn't really pin it down. Um, so yeah, I loved, I loved Groove Lily in high school. That's kind of, that's the one that I just sort of immediately think of where I'm like, oh, I was a fangirl of this, you know? Um, yeah, that's the only one that I can immediately think of. But I, I listen to a lot of musical theater. I listen to uh, a lot of like pop and like Kelly Clarkson was one of my faves when I was younger. And Amazing. Yeah, Sarah Bareilles, um, Pentatonix once they started releasing music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just like a little musical theater acapella folk nerd. <laughs> yeah, I didn't listen. I didn't have a piece of pop music on my phone until Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson when I was like 12. Um, my little iPod mini was like all Celtic music and musical theater. <laughs> it was awesome. great. It was a great awesome. Vibe. iPod mini. I also had an iPod mini. Literally <laughs> a brick. A, yeah. a brick. Yeah. Just a brick with music on it. I'm like, that's that's what I want nowadays. Yeah. Like the phone, there's too much, uh, it's too much on the phone. There's other things. Give me a little. Distracting. Yeah. 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 I've thought about trying to find like an iPod nano even. That just I shuffles. Had, you put like a yeah. hundred songs and it just shuffles. Yeah. Like, that's great. I had an iPod shuffle that I <clears> that <throat> just uh, and a few other things. And it was fantastic. I would listen to that like on the plane in yep. particular. Where it was like, I don't need my phone out right now. Like, yeah, let me just, yeah it was you great. You didn't need Wi-Fi. It's just the music is just on there. Yeah. That was okay. a great thing. We yeah. should bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But before we sign off, uh, what does everyone need to know about this tour coming up? 
that it's happening. No, it's it's gonna <laughs> it's uh, September sixth through October nineteenth. Where I think it's like twenty five, twenty seven different cities. It is wide. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the shows are. My hope is that you walk out um, a little bit lighter than when you came in. Uh, I hope you you like. I I want people to levitate out of the theater, um, and. Uh, one of the things that I love so much about my audiences is that uh, a lot of people like have a knowledge of folk music and, and in, in sessions you'll have someone walk in and sing the saddest song you've ever heard and the whole room is quiet and then they'll play a reel afterwards and everyone's like we you know and starts like <laughs> and my audiences thus far have been so willing to go with us wherever we're gonna go and it's like I, I always tell people i'm like you are going to hear really sad stuff really thought-provoking stuff and you're gonna rock out you know like that's that is something that i i love to be able to give to people is being able to acknowledge the complexity of like that's life you know like sessions are such a little molecule of what life is to hold grief and joy yeah same space <clears throat> and so that's really something that we do with this show and we we do that by singing together we do that by um you know very consciously creating the experience and uh and i hope that that people can uh settle into that and enjoy it um so yeah that's 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 my hope and i cannot wait to see people on the road i like there's there's we're going to cities that i've never been to before and the the idea that i'm going to get to actually see the faces of some people that have literally followed me since that like we've grown up together you know yeah yeah I think that's that's something that I'm just so so excited for, and and really really cannot wait to do. So it's gonna awesome. be great. And I assume all all dates can be found on your website. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, I believe it's uh, melindatour.com. I will double check that that. Okay. Is yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have it in the in the description. Um, are you coming anywhere in the Southwest, perchance? Yes, I am. Uh, where let I'm coming anywhere to... near Phoenix or Arizona, any kind of Arizona. Yep, we got we've got Phoenix, we've got uh, Denver, we've got LA, we've got Sacramento. It's a little higher up, but yeah. Hmm. All right, well, I will be in Phoenix in the fall, so yes, come. That'd yeah, be I'll I'll see if I can come. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's All it's. Right. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, Melinda, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a a wonderful, valuable, educational conversation. I hope people leave this conversation feeling lighter. Yeah. Then, then yeah. they came in. So um any final words from you and then we'll uh we will sign off. Um this was a blast. I yeah, I loved learning about opera along the way. So thank <laughs> thank you for, for being willing to to actually have a conversation, you know, in, in an environment like this. This was really, really special and really fun. So thank you. Awesome. Absolute joy. All right. Well I'll uh keep you posted on when this is going public and uh until then. Amazing. Alrighty. You take Bye -bye. care. Bye everybody.